0: Today's show is brought to you by Squad QL. Want an unfair advantage to dominate your fantasy football league? Look no further and download Squad QL, the only mobile app you need to crush your friends and rivals. Squad QL recommends the best starting lineup each week based on your starters, bench players, and the free agent pool. Squad QL provides waiver and trade recommendations too. Go to squadql.com to download SquadQL for free. Squad QL was brought to you by the creators of RotoQL, the leading daily fantasy optimizer trusted by 100,000 DFS players. Good news, NFL fans DirecTV has expanded the service. If you live in an area where DirecTV service is not available, or you're a student actively enrolled in a college or university, you can now get NFL Sunday Ticket without a satellite. Plus, there's an exclusive student discount. To see if you're eligible, go online to nflsundayticket.tv and stream every NFL Sunday ticket game this season to follow your favorite team no matter where you live. Use promo code RINGER at checkout to save 15%. Package is also available for football fans living in areas where DirecTV service is not available. Welcome to the Ringer NFL Show on the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm Robert Mays, joined as always by
1: Kevin Clark. Kevin, how you doing, bud? newly refreshed after a after a red eye took a 3 hour nap and i'm ready to go this has been it's it's in the past it's been a tough road after a red eye last year i didn't sleep after red eye I did a podcast and I was widely, just everyone in the world decided on the same reference, which was the Will Farrell voice modulation guy from, <laughs> from Weekend uh. Update who couldn't control the tone of his yeah. voice. It was because I was like, man, I'm so tired. I don't want to come across as tired. So I'm just going to speak really loudly and confidently. And I don't think that's how it came across. And that was that was last season. This is this season. We're going to get through this one.
0: I have all the faith in the world in you, bud. I did get some sleep last night. Unfortunately, it was after going to a miserable Cubs game. It's been a rough week. Rough week for Chicago sports in my life. Post-Bears game, the, the Cubs are slowly letting a, a sizable lead that
1: took place like a week ago slip away, which is great. It's great. It, it's been Does really it creep? Fun. Do people at the Cubs game talk about the Bears game? Is it like sports creep where it just everything creeps into something else?
0: Not last night. I, I mean, okay. I feel like it was... Focused on what was going on with the Cubs, I went there the last two nights because these are the two biggest games of the year against the Brewers, and it's like, all right, I'll I'll go. So it, it seems like more, most people were wrapped up on what's going on with the Cubs. So, uh oh, yeah, let's uh let's move on. Let's uh let's start this week. So obviously we're doing these shows on Thursday now. Uh, We will not be reviewing the Thursday night game because it has not happened yet. The format is going to be a little bit different. We're going to come up with a couple of new segments this year. So just heads up that that stuff is coming. We're going to start all of these, though, with the headlines that have kind of popped up over the last few days since we recorded on Sunday night. So let us start at the only place we possibly can. And that is with the beginning of the Josh Allen era in Buffalo, Kevin. It seems okay. like the Nathan Peterman farce is over. Sean McDermott has gotten a chance to look at the tape. And after getting a chance to check it out, he has settled on Josh Allen as the Bills' starting quarterback. What are we thinking about this?
1: So, you know, what's interesting, Robert, because we're not reviewing, as you said, the Thursday night football game this year. So we're starting with the Thursday night football of quarterback competitions. That's exactly right. Yeah, we got to get the shit out of the way first. And that's exactly what this is. This entire six months has been baffling. I mean, I think we learned a lot about AJ McCarron, which is that he's not that good because if he couldn't win this competition by a wide margin. And Nathan Peterman, if, if you just track what happened over the past six months, Nathan Peterman kind of earned it because everyone was saying in June, July, August, that he was outplaying everybody. And we thought maybe... Maybe it's some weird motivational thing, or maybe he's really turned the corner. And it turns out there there are two separate truths. Number one is that Nathan Peterman really was, you know, on track and earning the starting job. And the second thing is that Nathan Peterman was still Nathan Peterman. So that teaches us a lot about everybody else in that quarterback competition. I think less of AJ McCarron. And I don't know what to think about Josh Allen. Is this, were they really just going to try to redshirt Josh Allen and try to throw out Peterman, hoping that he wouldn't be a complete disaster? In that case, I don't know why you don't go with McCarron unless he's an absolute disaster. And so I, 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 I don't know what to expect. From Josh Allen, except we keep going back to it. It's the Nathan for you thing, where maybe Nathan Peterman is a is a elaborate setup to make Josh Allen look absolutely competent. Josh Allen came in, and I'm not saying that he did anything good, but he was the only quarterback last week who had a, he uh, who threw deeper passes than Patrick Mahomes. He threw 15 yard passes, and Patrick Mahomes was making 14.6. So. Josh Allen's going to throw deep passes. He's going to go for it. He's going to do a lot of things we're not used to seeing from the Bills. And I think that you just, Bills fans are going to have to learn to know there's going to be a lot of adjustment and it's going to feel a lot better because they just saw Nathan Peterman throw seven interceptions in two games.
0: Unfortunately, those deep passes are going to the likes of Kelvin Benjamin and Zay Jones in front of the <laughs> worst offensive line in the NFL. It would have been hilarious if they had trotted Nathan Peterman out against the Chargers again. I would have Just loved it, it so much. And thank God for Josh Allen that Joey Bosa is not playing in this game because I have no idea what Joey Bosa would look like against that offensive line.
1: Josh Allen's career
0: would be over before it started.
1: Yeah, I, I, but they still have guys like Derwin James who are ready to screw up Josh Allen's career. Oh, yeah. they are plenty it's, of guys. Let me be clear. It's still going to go really bad against the Chargers. The Chargers defense still has actual players. Here's my question. If they went Peterman, if you looked at the tape and they went Peterman again, at some point, does the league step in? It's it's almost like the Chris Paul trade. It's
0: like, you yeah, can't as, do this. Is there
1: a competitive thing where it's just like, no, you just can't do this anymore?
0: Here's my issue with the whole thing. And I, I believe we mentioned this on Sunday night. I don't understand the logic of the plan. Like, if you thought our infrastructure is so garbage that it's not worth trotting out a top ten pick in, in that offense behind that offensive line, throwing to those receivers. Fine, I completely understand that thought process. But how are you going to abandon that plan within a half? What is the thought there? How do you possibly reach that conclusion if you thought, no, no, he's not ready. Let's not ruin him. That f- first two quarters showed you something different. I just don't get how they're going about this and why. And maybe Josh Allen for the Bills right now is going to be a better quarterback than Nathan Peterman, but I don't get how this is the smart decision long-term. We talked about this with a couple different quarterbacks. I remember talking to Greg Olson about it in regard to Jared Goff, his rookie year. And what Greg Mm -hmm. Olson said to me was, he felt like the eight games or seven games that Goff played were perfect because it wasn't long enough to develop actual scar tissue in a really bad situation. If Josh Allen starts 15 games in this offense, that's plenty of time to develop some scar tissue.
1: I I had a line that actually came to regret because I thought it was a little too harsh around the draft, which was I said that whoever, whichever GM picks Josh Allen will in five years be leading an NFL network panel called what I got wrong about Josh Allen.
0: May not be five years.
1: No, and what I'm saying is I, I immediately were kind of was like, oh, that's kind of mean. And now I'm I I realize that A, five years is too long. And B, I've seen nothing in this plan that makes me think that this is I understand it's a four, three, four year plan. It's it's not dissimilar to what John Dorsey's doing in Cleveland. We were taking something and just rebuilding from the top, but I just when you look at, it's not like we're, it's not like Josh Allen is Mahomes, where we're looking at this and we're hearing things about his practice habits. Where we're just like, holy crap, here comes Josh Allen. We haven't heard that. We, I saw that in practice. My general feeling was that all three quarterbacks made the same mistakes, but Josh Allen made sort of higher ceiling throws. I still believe that, but those mistakes are still there. It's not going to be mistake free. It is, it is in no way going to be Patrick Mahomes. And that includes the no-interception line. I want to be clear about this. What I saw
0: from Josh Allen in the preseason was better than what I thought I was going to. And I feel like in the right circumstances, he might have a chance. But I don't know if these are the right circumstances. This isn't Josh Allen's fault. He's been placed in a position where no one could succeed. I kind of feel bad for him. Honestly, it's not his fault that he was a seventh overall pick and it's not his fault that the bills surrounded him with absolutely nothing. And then just threw him to the wolves when it didn't go well for one half with Nathan Peterman.
1: I totally agree with you. Here's my, here's, here's my new feeling on this. So I talked about the league stepping in. The only way they would step in is if it was a primetime game, October 29th on Monday night, they play the new England Patriots. Oh my God and I'm really excited. So first of all, here's what I'm excited for. Bill Belichick will turn anybody into a god. Anybody. And you know, he he compared Blake Bortles to, you know, the Deshaun Watson class of mobile quarterbacks this week. What I want to hear is Bill Belichick on so that Monday, so the 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 Monday before Bill Belichick will take the podium and be forced to give a scouting report of either Nathan Peterman or Josh Allen, and he is going to turn both of those gentlemen into Dan Marino. I'm really looking forward to it. It's the best. Every single week it's something new. He used to turn he turned the 07 Dolphins into the eighty five Bears one year on a conference call. He was just like, I just I'm terrified of this team. They went one and fifteen.
0: All right, let's move on uh, to some more dour yeah, let's. news. Uh, The Falcons lose both Keanu Neal and Deion Jones this week. Uh, Keanu Neal tears his ACL. He's out for the season. Obviously, Deion Jones has a foot issue. He's on IR with designation to return. He'll be able to come back in week nine. But that is a long time to miss your best defensive player and arguably your two best defensive players.
1: Yep. Uh, So. I mean, who, who else is in that argument? Because I thought it was, I thought it was pretty clear cut one and two. That's a Trufant. pretty good player. Yeah. I mean, I mean Trufant, obviously
0: yeah. Vic Beasley had his moments a couple yep. of years ago, but I, I would say these two are probably the most valuable members of their defense, especially Jones. And, and I feel like this week it's going to pop up a lot because this scheme purposefully funnels receptions to running backs Yep, yep. that they do it with a, uh, with a plan and because they trust Jones to clean those plays up. He's so good in the open field. He can cover so much ground and you got Christian McCaffrey is coming to town this week. I mean, that is not going to be fun. If you play daily fantasy, which is PPR, I would be hammering Christian McCaffrey right now because this was already a scenario where he was probably going to get a lot of work in the passing game. And now there's no Deion Jones to deal with him after he catches the ball. He could have a monster day against this team sans Deion Jones. Obviously, Duke Riley is not the worst backup. He's a third round pick. You know, they liked him coming out. It's decent depth, but Duke Riley's not Deion Jones. Deion Jones is a full-blown superstar.
1: Can you pound a player you have in fantasy? Did you just start him?
0: Yeah, just like just put him in a lot. Yeah, exactly.
1: Super stardom. He's the first guy you put on your starting lineup.
0: If you play daily, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, if you're doing like a daily lineup, I would throw McCaffrey into everything. He's not that expensive. And it just seems like McCaffrey got a lot of work against Dallas that he's going to be a monstrous part of their game plan in Carolina. And right now, these are the perfect circumstances for him to have a huge game.
1: Totally agree. You know, I, I was actually talking to Tom Dimitrov about this uh, in mid-August about just how vital the middle of the field has gotten in an NFL game. And I'll, I'll write something about it later this season. But I mean, the middle of the field is completely different. You know, I, I there, there's a book by George Plimpton called Paper Lion. And in the middle of it, it's almost amazing. He quotes Raymond Berry. And Raymond Berry is talking about how you he called the middle of the field the pit. And he was like, you if you're a receiver... You can never, ever, ever go behind the defensive line and in front of the linebackers. It's absolutely impossible. You will die. It will be the end of your career. He's gone over. You know, I think he said he'd gone over the the quote unquote, the pit once in his life. And, you know, 50, 60 years later, the pit, as Raymond Barry kept calling it, is the modern modern schemes i mean that's all they do is 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 just these you know, the mesh concepts the drag concepts um and it's just over the middle of the field and that's how much the game has changed that's tom brady that's peyton manning that's all of these quarterbacks who have realized um how efficient things can get that's defenders knowing that the helmet rule and you know uh targeting rules exist and that you cannot sort of lower the boom like you could 10, 15 years ago. There's all sorts of little things that have combined to make the middle of the field wide open. And if you don't have, and this is what Tom and I talked about, if you don't have a Deion Jones or a Keanu O'Neill, you're screwed. And they, are, they felt so lucky to have those two guys. And now to lose them both in the same week, I mean, you don't want to lose your quarterback. That's number one. But to lose the spine of your defense in one foul swoop, two guys having to replace those guys, that's, that is is uh, not good, folks. They're unique weapons because Jones covers so much ground, and he's
0: one of the best coverage linebackers when he has to kind of man up on a running back in the league. I mean, he was one of the only Kamara stoppers in the world last season. Yep. And yep. the reason that Neal is unique is because he still lays that boom, but he does it in a legal way. He's one of those guys like Cam Chancellor that had been able to kind of work within the margins of the rules and really still be a physical force, still intimidate people, still take the ball away while not getting flagged for it. Those guys just don't really exist anymore. And to lose those elements in, again, one fell swoop, it's going to be a huge blow for them. All right, before we move on,
1: let's uh, let's chat about the week in John Gruden very briefly because it has been spectacular. It's almost piling on because everything we thought was going to happen happened. Like they, Jared Goff was standing back there. Like he turned off the pass rush in Madden. He was just <laughs> hitting the ball. He was just, he was just like, just hitting the ball, just patting it, just looking downfield. I mean, it looked like a non-contact practice at some point. It, it was amazing. And
0: just, he was talking about how, I don't know how we're going to find the pass rush. We could, we had to get to Jared Goff. Really? We're really, look John at Gruden. It. We look at
1: the pass rush. And do you, the, you, do you know what, you know what two things are together? in in the deepest pit of hell the nathan peterman tape and where john gruden went to look at the pass rush
0: you know what else was on that raiders tape amari cooper running open downfield apparently they got to get Uh-oh. him the ball amari was open he's we not didn't sure go why there they didn't there throw for some it there. reason i love so much that everything about this john gruden taking the raiders job had to do with why Derek Carr was this special quarterback that like had this amazing allure to him. And John Gruden just couldn't wait to work with Derek Carr. It took one week for him to throw Derek Carr under the bus. One. It is amazing. I, I've made this comparison before, and I don't, I don't mean to be co- political, but what has happened here kind of reminds me what happened with Trump, where yeah. the idea came up where it was like... Saying that for a month. I, I, the, yeah. you know The Donald Trump thing, it's like, really? like this is a thing and then it clearly is going to happen and as it's obviously going to happen and it's you you know you have to live with it anyway there's this moment of like God, maybe it won't be that bad i mean maybe everything he's saying is just totally overblown he'll scale it back a little bit we're reading too much into the literal elements of every single comment and guess what it has been worse it's been worse in every single way it's a disaster
1: so obviously, my corner on this Gruden thing and that political comparison is that Raiders fans take John Gruden seriously, but yes. not literally, and the media takes him literally, not seriously, which is, was very famously said about our president uh, right after the election. So again, I, I don't that's the end of the political talk on this podcast. But what I think is kind of funny is that Gruden is just doing his sort of announcing his, his broadcast booth generalities with Derek Carr now, which is, well, Mark Cooper was open, but I just, for some reason, we just didn't go down the field there, which is just so generic announcer. Like, you don't want to throw Derek. Anybody who's sitting at home, if we saw the tape, and I actually have not seen the the, the specific plays that Gruden is talking about. I have about not watched the all-22 of that to, game. To, to, to Cooper. But you would just say, oh, he didn't hit him there. But it's like, well, I, I'm not so sure he didn't not hit him there. I just John. Love,
0: I just love in that Monday Night Football interview that he said that Khalil Mack didn't want to be there. It's a flat-out lie. It's just not true. I oh, everything about it is just baffling. I we thought it was going to go south instantly. We thought it was going to be horrendous, and every element of it has been that so far. It's been great.
1: Can we keep the Raiders in Oakland though? Yeah, that's true. I do feel bad. I mean, they just he, deserve he, he, it. This is. I'm just going to talk for ten seconds about this. They traded their best player. Everyone knows they're going to be a complete disaster. They have a coach who's locked in for the next 10 years who's not showing a lot of signs of life. And their crowd was absolutely bananas for three and a half quarters. I know That's awesome. It's great. Good for, good for Raiders fans. Seriously.
0: All right, before we move on, let's take a quick break. Hiring used to be hard. Multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, a confusing review process— But today, hiring can be easy, and you only have to go to one place to get it done. ZipRecruiter.com slash RingerNFL. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. With results like that, it's no wonder that ZipRecruiter is the highest rated hiring site in America. And right now, our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address: ziprecruiter.com/ringerNFL. That's ziprecruiter.com/R I N G E R NFL. ziprecruiter.com/ringerNFL. ziprecruiter.com/ringernfl. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. We want to stream NFL Sunday Ticket live every Sunday, even if we can't get DirecTV where we live. Because we want every play, even if we don't live in a house with a satellite. A lot of us live in apartments or on a college campus, but we still want to stream NFL Sunday Ticket. To see if you're eligible, go online to NFLSundayTicket.tv and stream every NFL Sunday Ticket game this season to follow your favorite team no matter where you live. Use promo code BRINGER at checkout to save 15%. Package is also available for football fans living in areas where DirecTV is not available. Now, back to the show. We're going to do a new segment here uh, every single week, and we're calling this Take Shop. Yeah. These are some takes that we're kind of tinkering with a little bit. They're not fully formed, but they're getting there. We're still
1: working on them. So, Kevin, what is your first inaugural Take Shop take? So. It's something we're just leaning towards. We haven't figured out if it's a take or not, and we're just going to talk about it until it's a take. Texans-Titans, Robert. Workshop my take is a must-win game. Okay, explain. Lay, lay out the these te- for me. So, both of these teams, Titans made the playoffs last year. The Texans looked like a playoff team for six years. Or excuse me, for six games. Certainly not six <laughs> years. For uh. six games. And... They're 0-1. Both, both of them coming off very different games. The Titans should have beaten the Dolphins unless the Dolphins are, are a type of good we don't know about. And the Texans look kind of oddly bad against the Patriots. I thought they, was, they were going to be a little more exciting. So they're two 0-1 teams. They go to Tennessee for a 1 p.m. game. One of these teams starts out 0-2 in a division with, even though the Jaguars will likely be 1-1 after the Patriots game, it's a weird competitive division. You'll have a two, uh, two win. or uh, Everybody will be one win, but I just feel like 0-2 in the AFC South. I don't know. Workshop my take. I agree with you and I
0: don't. First of Ooh. all, I went, by, I went back and watched the Titans-Dolphins game this morning. A couple things that I took from that. <laughs> how, did you, how did you have time for that? It was nine and a half hours. No, I didn't watch the whole thing. I just watched the plays. It's <laughs> you, just you, you, the watched, same you watched way the room, normal football game. <laughs>
1: You watched the rain
0: delays? Yeah, just all of them. Just sat there staring blankly at my computer. The Dolphins might be better than I thought they were going to be.
1: I agree. And, I'm and, in the wind,
0: winds pool. And I'll say this about a couple elements of their game I was impressed with. One, the offense was very cool. I forgot how good Adam Gase is when he actually has a decent quarterback. Ryan Tannehill Agreed. was so Ryan Tannehill on Sunday. Just good enough. Like, just good enough. where You're like, okay. All right. I can get behind this, I guess. So many cool wrinkles in the running game. They did a great job getting Frank Gore in space. They had one play where they motioned Albert Wilson into the backfield in the pistol, faked a sweep with him, and handed it back to Gore coming the other way. They just did a great job of recognizing box advantages and running the ball in advantageous situations. I was very impressed with Kenny Stills. I think that a couple of the guys they've added to that interior offensive line are a huge help. The Dolphins are going to be better on offense than I thought they were going to be. On defense, they tackled extremely well. And I feel like that's interesting for two reasons. One, that's a sign of a good, sound defense. And two, I think that the Titans had a lot of big plays on the table that they did not hit on because of how sound the tackling was in the open field for Miami. The Marcus Mariota injury was very big for Tennessee in this game. I yeah. liked how the offense was moving the ball in the first half. First half, or first drive, they hit Taewon, They have Taewon Taylor on a deep ball in the end zone. Hits him in the hands while he's sliding for it. Inches from a touchdown. Second drive, they go forward on fourth down near the goal line. Don't get it on three kind of questionable calls near the goal line. We're inches from 14-0 on those first two Titans drives. You can already see the Kyle Shanahan stuff starting to bubble up in the Matt Lafleur offense, which is very fun. They ran a play to Luke Stocker that got them down inside the five that is just a Kyle Shanahan greatest hit. I put it on my Twitter today. It's that play where he leaks the tight end out from their backside and a run to the left, down the left sideline, wide open. I mean, it just was carbon copy of a play that the 49ers ran just out of a different formation against Minnesota. So I have faith in where the Titans can go offensively. I think if Mariota is healthy, okay, that they'll but be if okay. If they start
1: 0-2, where are we? I still
0: think that in the AFC they can get there,
1: okay. Even knowing that there's three really good teams in the AFC South,
0: are there three really good teams in the AFC well, South? I How mean, good are rel- the Texans relative
1: relative to the open playoff spots? All of these, all three teams can get a playoff spot. I have faith in the Titans' ability to come back okay. from zero two. I'm get, this is just take shop. I'm not even saying it's a it's it, the season's over. I'll be BC curious teams. to see. what I'm Houston just saying looks like I'm this leaning week. towards thinking about it. I'm I'm considering thinking about it. I'm curious That's to see what the Texans is. look like this week because I feel like the Patriots were a terrible
0: matchup for them. Just a terrible... I mean, obviously, the, Patri- the Patriots are a bad matchup for a lot of people, but Houston has a really good pass rush. The Patriots offensive line, which we'll get to on this show, was fantastic in that game. Their pass protection was unbelievable. And New England's kind of wonky, like out there next generation, we don't throw the ball to wide receivers offense is terrible for Houston. Zach Cunningham just got picked on in that game. And I just feel like the Texans are going to have better matchups offensively and defensively.
1: So they couldn't. They, I don't know if you saw this. The Texans basically could not believe how quickly Tom Brady was getting the ball. Out it was hands. unbelievable.
0: And, and you have Trent Brown just coming in and playing really well. Again, we'll get to it. But I, I'm curious to see how both of those teams will look this week. I have faith in who the Titans can be on offense moving forward. All right. Let's get to mine, which I feel like is somewhat connected to what I wrote this morning. I wrote about the fact that Saquon Barkley we were hoping he could be this year's Ezekiel Elliott and watching that game against Jacksonville. I know the final line was good. He had 108 yard or 106 yards rushing, but that was really one big play and not a lot else. He's getting hit in the backfield a lot. I just have such little faith in the giants offensive line right now. I know they have five new starters at different spots and same players in some spots, but five new starters, it's going to take a little while, but I feel like there's going to be some growing pains. And That is one of the arguments against taking a running back that high in the draft, just because the running back is so dependent on circumstances often in almost every situation where the quarterback is going to elevate his circumstances if he's good in most situations. So my take shop take when I'm not quite there yet for, but I still want to start workshopping a little bit is that we may not have to wait very long before the Giants regret passing on Sam Darnold no
1: matter how good a Saquon Barkley ends up being so just to go behind the curtain for a second my original take shop take was that the Jets might be playoff contenders and We can get into that and and so I that, that's just an extension of how good we both feel about the Jets now I'm going to talk a little bit later about the Lions it might we might be overreacting a little bit to a win over the Lions I think the Lions might be totally fair. R- extraordinarily bad Um I don't know about that. I mean, so I think that, as you said, the Barkley hit had, had the huge play on Sunday and then kind of inconsistent day outside of that. I think we have to wait and see because... And that's I know why that's it's a, a take really shop boring, take. I'm not there yet. You're right. No, no, no. I know. And, and, and I just think it's... I know that's a boring thing to say. I'd love to be with you on this take, on this take shop take. But I, I think that just overall... Barkley's going to have a couple of games, maybe in the next two months, where he literally wins the game for the Giants. And I think optically, and this happened with Zeke Elliott too. I mean, the the benefit they had over Jalen Ramsey was that nobody cared about the Jaguars that year, yeah. That that in 2016, so it was just basically you and I and a bunch of tape people and Jaguars fans who were like, "Oh my God, Jalen Ramsey is amazing," and nobody. Uh, everyone who's watching Zeke Elliott, nobody's watching Jalen Ramsey. Everyone's going to watch Darnold. And that optically is a huge deal. Now, everybody's going to watch Barkley because as we've talked about, every Sunday night game is is Giants-Cowboys or Giants-Eagles, but or Cowboys-Eagles, obviously. But, um, but I, I think that optically, you're going to have more Sam Darnold hype and especially in that market because they share a market exactly. to where if if it is a toss-up, that's going to get thrown in the Giants' face very, very quickly. The Lions might be terrible, but I was really impressed by Darnold. He's He does such a good job
0: of keeping his eyes downfield, like slowly manipulating the pocket. I mean, his just subtle movement is amazing. And I love Quincy Inunua on that offense. I mean, if I if you are in a fantasy league and Quincy Nunwa is still available, which I believe he is in a lot of leagues, go do it right now. Because I feel like the way that Darnold throws the ball in the middle of the field and how much he can control that area, Anunua is the perfect guy for him. So I just feel like he's going to get a ton of work.
1: Yep, I, I agree. I mean, I think the Jets can be pretty good, man. I, mean, still, I still don't believe a whole lot in that coaching staff, but I believe in the individual talent.
0: I totally agree. And Jamal Adams was awesome on last week.
1: I feel like he's going to be an absolute star. I love watching him play. I am so unbelievably into the Mike McKagan value God narrative. It's great. It's so, so great. like literally six months ago, I was just like Mike McKagan. Okay. He's just waiting around to get fired. Now I'm just like Mike McKagan is the second coming of Ted Thompson.
0: Before we move on here. I just want to make it clear. I think Saquon Barkley is awesome. I I think he's going to have some huge games. His touchdown was amazing. I went back and watched that game again, pretty much every single time. They left him to deal with one player on the second level. He was making that guy miss. And he shook Miles Jack in the open field. He's really able to do anything when you put him one-on-one with somebody in space. The problem is those scenarios just aren't going to come up very often with the Giants offense. They screwed up so many combination blocks. And a lot of that is familiarity. I think eventually they're going to be okay But I still feel like this was a window into why a running back is a dangerous choice, just because he needs help and the quarterback can transcend the circumstances often enough when the guy is good. That's all I'm saying. All right, let's move on. Each week, we're going to break down what we see as the three biggest games of the weekend. We're going to start this week with the Vikings at the Packers. Kevin, first things first, I feel like this is just about
1: Aaron Rodgers' health going against arguably the best defense in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, I was on the radio last night, and somebody asked me. It was Nick Wright. He said, "Why wouldn't you just sit Aaron Rodgers this week and just look, take the long, the long game?" And I don't necessarily know if you can keep a seventy-five percent. I mean, b- part of it is the player. If he's seventy-five percent healthy, he's going to want to play. That's yeah. how these guys are wired. You don't get to this far in your NFL career without wanting to get out there you know, and, and play hurt and all that stuff. I mean, it's just, these guys are wired completely differently than you and I, I mean, like if you and I have a head cold, we don't, we don't want to go out, get out of bed. (laughs) If they have a sprained knee, they want to play the best defense in football. Right. And so that's sort of from the player perspective, we have to consider that. But if I were management or if I was Mike McCarthy and Aaron looked even a step slow in practice, I would say, let's just take it easy guys. Let's just take it easy because uh, Anthony Barr, was obviously the player that hit Aaron Rodgers to knock him out for the season. That was a fluke injury. Aaron Rodgers has said it's a fluke injury. But I just feel like that defense is so ferocious. And the only way it makes any sense for Aaron Rodgers to be out there is if they're just going to do what they did against the Bears, which is just a quick strike offense. Do not let him run around back there because that's how he gets hurt.
0: I feel like the Vikings are the worst possible matchup for them this week. And I know that sounds yes. obvious. I know yes. that sounds obvious because the Vikings have a good defense. Of course, they're the worst possible matchup. But I but feel it's, like it, there it, are specific it, it's, it's the elements. type of good defense. Yes. It's the
1: type of good defense. If
0: you, So remember last week in the Jets game when Stafford kind of tweaked his knee a little bit and the Jets started running these double A gap pressures? That's yeah. That's called pipe pressure. And the reason it's called that is because you flush the quarterback out by rushing up the middle. The Vikings do that naturally. That is their preferred mo defensively they are going to do a lot of that i feel like this week in order to get Aaron Rodgers on the move outside the pocket typically you don't want him to do that you don't want him to be able to make plays outside the pocket you want to keep him contained but now if he's limited in terms of his mobility i feel like that's exactly what you want to do so i would see a lot of kendrickson Barr right in the middle of those a gaps trying to flush him out the vikings are this rare team and you saw it last week against the niners where they can dictate the game with their defense because when they're blitzing, it's not out of desperation. They blitz yep. from a, like, a, they blitz from higher ground. They really understand when and where they need to send these guys. And I feel like you're going to see a lot of that this week. On the other side of the ball, coming into the season, I, I felt like we'd see a lot of like diamond dollar defense from the Packers. The yeah. secondary is easily the deepest part of their team, especially with Jake Ryan on injured reserve. And we saw that last week. They're throwing six, seven defensive backs out there without even thinking about it. They're like, these are our best guys. We'll figure it out later.
1: Well, Mike Pettin played from Rex Ryan, who just every year was just like, "Get draft me three cornerbacks, please. Yeah, I, I just feel like that's the s- strength of that defense. You bring in Josh
0: Jones and Jair Alexander as rookies. No, Josh Johnson. Josh Jackson is the rookie. This is driving okay. me insane. All right. No, we have no, to, we have to tell the listener. Keep it in. We
1: to, no, 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 no. We have to tell the listener this we stopped so that we could look up whether it was Josh Jones or Josh Johnson.
0: (laughs) And I still screwed it up. And it's Josh Jackson. I just I'll just remember it this way. Joshua Jackson.
1: Wait, it was yeah, right, it was Dawson. Jackson. What were we doing with Johnson? Or no, it was cuz it was cuz we looked at, we we're talking about the Rams the guy. were talking about
0: the Rams guy. There're
1: too many oh JJ God. names
0: in the secondary. Jonathan Joseph. This is getting ridiculous. So, Josh Jackson, Jair Alexander. So, obviously those are the rookies. They came in. Kentrell Bryce had a decent game last week. I feel like that is where the talent on this defense is. So, as long as they're throwing everybody out there, that gives them their best chance. But I'm curious to see how the Vikings respond to that. I might, I could see the Vikings just saying, we're going to run the ball against you out of lighter personnel packages and dare you to stop it. And I understand that's probably the cat and mouse game that makes the most sense, but the Vikings struggled to run the ball last week. You know, Pat Elfline is questionable. He may be back, but I still feel like that offensive line is going to take a while to coalesce. So we'll see what happens. I feel like there's some stuff worth watching in that game, though, just in game inside the game type stuff.
1: Yep. Totally agree. I mean, I, th- I think it's I think it's a fascinating game. I-, I hope for the sake of football that Aaron Rodgers plays. But again, if I'm Mike McCarthy, if I'm Brian Guttenkurst, St- I'm 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 just really I'm not going to rush Aaron Rodgers back to play against Mike Zimmer's defense with all that talent. I totally agree. All right, let's move on. Chiefs at Steelers. Yes. I feel like
0: I I've, it's it's the uh, Mr. T thing here. Uh, prediction points. That is my prediction here. I just feel like both of these teams are going to put up a lot. I was very impressed with the Steelers defense last week. You forget just how much those guys inside can control and dominate a game. And I was not impressed with the Chiefs defense, but I still feel like the Chiefs
1: offense is such that they're going to be able to score on anyone. I feel like this is going to be a high flying affair. So I wrote wrote about Patrick Mahomes this this week for the ringer.com. And the, the few things to know about Mahomes is, first of all, His average, as I said earlier, his average depth of target was 14.6 yards. And what's happened with everybody in the NFL, including people like Drew Brees, including people like Eli Manning, who were eight, nine years ago, reliable downfield passers is they are throwing shorter and shorter every single year. I think both of those guys have lost three yards off their average throw um, just in the last few years. And so Patrick Mahomes is just bucking that trend in a way that's really exciting and the defenses aren't used to. And a lot of people have asked me since the story, people inside the NFL and out, if they think that this was designed by Andy Reid, where they knew that defenses were all sort of gaming it, you know, passes close to line of scrimmage, all that stuff. They're built for those things, almost like what we were talking about with like Deion Jones, right, where you're just getting these athletic linebackers who can patrol that space. Well, okay. well, Andy Reid's going to design an offense where you find those pockets beyond well beyond those guys and. I kind of do think there's a little bit of that. I just also think it's lightning in a bottle with Mahomes' skill set. But I just Mahomes can do things that no no young quarterback I think can do. He's he's different than a lot of that that a lot of his generation of quarterbacks. And That's what's fascinating to me. The one thing I do want to talk about as far as just pumping the brakes on the expectations. So the 14.6 average depth of target number is the most by a full yard in the last decade. Who's number two?
0: I would say it's one of Jameis Winston, Cam Newton, or
1: um, Carson Palmer. You are insanely incorrect. The answer is Tim Tebow. <laughs> are those guys close at least? Because they were always near the top. I have of the not list. seen. I have not seen. It was one. It, PFF wrote it in a. Okay. Uh, it, it, was not really not a, a, it was not. It was not. It was not a listicle. It was just a, a fact. I, uh, I feel like this you know,
0: the Chiefs' offense is just a good matchup for the Steelers' defense. You know, I know that T.J. Watt had that massive game last week, but if you go watch those sacks, he didn't have four sacks. I mean, he had one no. where he pushed Tyra Taylor out of bounds. He had one where he cleaned it up near the line of scrimmage. I mean, they were really deep in the down. He was great against the run, but I, this is not an edge-rushing team that's dominant. And again, he's going against Mitchell Schwartz this week, most likely, which is a different sort of animal. I, I feel like the Chiefs' offensive line... It's decent on the interior. They can deal with Hayward into it. Again, if you're looking for guys that are, maybe have a big game this week, I feel like Juju and Antonio Brown, obviously Antonio Brown's going to be very expensive, but you look at what Keenan Allen did against Orlando Skandrick out of the slot last week, I could see a lot of either Antonio Brown or Juju in the slot
1: just trying to take advantage of that. And the Steelers just torching it over and over and over again. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I just think this is this is a really interesting matchup game. Uh, no Le'Veon Bell again for the Steelers. Um, As you said, the Chiefs secondary, I bet they wish they had Marcus Peters right now just from his talent standpoint. Yeah, absolutely. It's huge. You know what? I'm not going to Monday morning quarterback the Chiefs because they've built a really good team, especially on offense. Are we sure? What the hell was going on with the Marcus Peters trade? I think they just wanted him
0: out of the building. And I understand yeah, I, that, I get but that, but it's but a like, glaring, glaring hole when it's I, literally I the know. worst area on your entire defense. I don't know about that one. Yeah. That's all. It's the weakest area of their team, and that's why they desperately needed Kendall Fuller. But if you're going to play Kendall Fuller a little bit on the outside, too, that's not what he does well. You're getting worse at two spots. It's just that secondary is problematic, and it's going to be all season. It's just they're going to give up a lot of points, but hopefully they're going to score a lot as well. All right. Let's move on our third game here. Patriots at Jaguars rematch of the AFC championship game. I went back and watched that game this morning very quickly just to kind of remember and refresh my memory about uh, just what the Patriots tried to do the Jags. Because if you watch New England's offense last week, they did such a good job of picking on Kevin Johnson and Zach Cunningham in coverage. That's what they did. The game plan was we are going to hammer these two spots over and over again. The tough part about the Jags defense Is that there's just no clear weak link. So it's harder to zone in on one particular area and say, or one particular guy and say, this is our spot. We feel like we can win here. They used a lot of vertical concepts out of the slot in order to attack linebackers. And they did that with Brandon Cooks. They did that with Danny Amendola. I don't feel like Rex Burkhead, who may not play, he's still dealing with a concussion and James White are necessarily matchup advantages against those two guys. So I'm very curious to see what the Pats kind of do from a game plan perspective.
1: Yeah, so the running back situation is very odd, obviously, with Burkhead in concussion protocol and Sonny Michelle having... And Alabama, Jeremy Hill's out for the season. Yep, yeah, Jeremy Hill's out for the season. And then, so the running back depth chart looks pretty wild at this point. Here's the matchup I want to watch. And, and it's something that fascinates me because I alluded to it earlier. The Texans could not believe how quickly... Tom Brady got rid of the ball. They neutralized that Texans pass, pass rush. Can you do that against the Jaguars? That's my question. Can you do that against the Jaguars who not only have the most expensive and perhaps most talented defensive line in football, but they've got two cover corners who can just basically drape the receiver for exactly. for 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 the for the entire 6 seconds of a play if you wanted to extend it that long okay so is the quick strike 2 second offense going to work against the jaguars that's what i'm fascinated about
0: i'll get into the patriots and the jaguars a little bit later on their offensive lines and defensive lines but i feel like that's a great matchup to watch defensively Again, I just feel like the Patriots are in a really good place right now. I love what their defensive line looks like. Just Mm -hmm. with Shelton, Claiborne, Flowers. Obviously, that group looks really good against a terrible Texans offensive line. But I still feel like that has a chance to be a strength this season. And I just feel like the Jags aren't going to be able to deal with it. So possibly a hampered version of Leonard Fournette, Jeremy Parnell, and Brandon Linder on the injury report. So if you wanted to line up and pound the ball, that just doesn't seem like it's going to be a great option. I I feel like these two teams are further away right now
1: than they were when the AFC Championship game took place last year. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's week two for you. And so I'm intrigued about it. I'm intrigued sort of what Belichick tries to take away from this Jaguars offense because I don't know what there is to take away. I'm intrigued by Doug Marone not having watched a Super Bowl. What since he was the 12. hell is that? So, Doug Marone was asked about the Eagles-Patriots Super Bowl. Obviously, he came quite close to playing in that Super Bowl. So, the reporters asked him about it this week, and he said that he, is, he has not watched it since he was 12 years old. So, he said it's because he's usually too pissed off. But, like, does that apply to when he was at Syracuse? You're a professional football coach. They're the best teams in the NFL. Why wouldn't you want to look at what they're doing? Have you, have you ever come close to, like, not watching the Super Bowl? No. So, like... Ten, the year that the Eagles, one of my best friends was an Eagles fan. The year the Eagles lost to the Panthers in the uh, NFC Championship game. Remember that was the was it the third or fourth straight NFC Championship game? Mm-hmm. My Eagles fan friend was so depressed. He was like, "I'm not going to watch a Super Bowl." And like anybody who wants to not watch Super Bowl with me can can come to my house on Sunday. And so we all, a couple of us decided like, well, we're going to go support our friend and we're not going to watch the Super Bowl. And then like 20 minutes before we're like, wait a second, this is crazy. It's the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's insane. We need to watch the Super Bowl. (laughs) What the (laughs) hell? What are you doing? And so I think I remember my buddy watched a bunch of movies and uh, we all went and watched the Super Bowl because it's the Super Bowl. And you are not a professional football coach. We were also in high school. Yeah. What else are you going to
0: do? Before we move on, let's take one more quick break. Here's a little insider travel secret from our friends at Hotel Tonight. There are tons of empty hotel rooms out there just waiting to be booked. And Hotel Tonight has partnered with these awesome hotels to help them sell those unsold rooms, which means you get incredible deals. Seriously, if you love scoring amazing hotel deals, you've got to try Hotel Tonight. Forget scrolling through never ending lists. Hotel Tonight shows you a select list of incredible deals at cool hotels they think you'll love. And they even give you short profiles of each hotel, complete with all the info you need and pictures of what the rooms look like. Plus, even though their name's Hotel Tonight, they're not just for last minute bookings. You can also book in advance. It's perfect for spontaneous weekend getaways, three day weekends, staycations, road trips, business trips, or even booking a place with a pool. I'm heading to Sedona for a wedding next weekend, and guess what? I already booked my room with Hotel Tonight. So to start scoring amazing deals in incredible hotels, go to hoteltonight.com or download the app now. Every week on Thursday, you and I are going to do one kind of special segment that's tailored to us. Uh, Mine is just very simply called Maze Geeks Out, where I just kind of go all in on one specific element in a way that I am want to do. And you might be shocked, but the first one deals with offensive and defensive line play. I know this is very off brand. The Patriots offensive line against the Jags defensive line is such a fun matchup. And and I mentioned this to you earlier in the week. The Trent Brown trade, getting him for a third-round pick and paying him $2 million is the type of trade that can alter an entire season. Obviously, the Patriots lost Isaiah Wynn, but Trent Brown is a very real NFL offensive tackle. And to be able to slot him in as your backup is such a game-changer for New England. I mean, it really does alter the complexion of your offense when you have a very reliable player over there, that line left to right is excellent. and has the potential to just be one of the best groups in the entire league. If they stay healthy, the Jags defensive line, we know about them. I mean, obviously you just see what they how do. Much, how much, to what's
1: the, what's the price tag on that, on that line?
0: Uh, oh, it's, it's something ridiculous. I mean, it's like 31% of their cap. It is the most expensive position group in NF, in modern NFL history. I wrote about that earlier this week. It's kind of show. funny.
1: It's kind of funny how like agents and a lot of players are like, "Well, it's only just the quarterbacks who get paid in the modern NFL," and it's like, "No, it's the quarterbacks and Jaguars' defensive line. It's incredible, but you they're look they're at, eating up all the cap. You just look at what their impact can be. Calais
0: Campbell just beat the hell out of the Giants last week." I mean, from every single angle. This Eric Flowers, I didn't know Calais Campbell oh my was God. a speed rusher thing. Oh
1: my, this, it's, my, it's one of my favorite stories of the year. It is unbelievable. Tell, t- tell the people. If they so don't
0: know. Eric Flowers came out this week after getting just absolutely worked by Calais Campbell the entire game, including having to trip him on the first play because Campbell went back inside on a pass rush move. And then he came out this er- early. I like got Monday or Tuesday and said, yeah, I didn't know Calais Campbell was a power guy. I-, I thought he was a speed guy. Calais Campbell is six foot eight and weighs 300 pounds. Could you imagine imagine if he was a speed guy? Oh, my God. It'd be terrifying. And it's not like he's slow, but for the most part, he wants to run you over. So I'm just super excited to watch those nickel packages against the Patriots pass rush. So you have Campbell inside. Obviously, McCray had a really nice game for the Jaguars last week. Obviously, it came against Flowers in those nickel situations. But I mean, he's a solid pass rusher. To be able to throw those guys out there with Ngakwe and Malik Jackson is just disgusting. So just all across the line. I mean Shaq Mason working against Calais Campbell in pastor situations. Trent Brown working against Ngakwe in pastor situations. Those are very fun individual matchups to watch. I encourage you if they're into that kind of stuff to kind of hone in on it.
1: I, I will say if I were Eric Flowers and I saw a six foot eight guy and I really did think he was a speed guy, I would fake an injury and get out of the game. Eric Flowers is impossibly bad. It,
0: it has gotten to be where you cannot also, overstate how bad it is.
1: They went to the same school. They both went to Miami. It's, like there's did you no never hear he of any Campbell? level? Yeah, it's, just, it's I, I just awful. don't understand it. it, it it's, it's a complete the Eric Flowers, not knowing anything about Calais Campbell is the I, I've never watched a Super Bowl of offensive line. It's days. worse.
0: It's worse. It's absolutely worse because he was playing him that week. It was uh, I can't even get over it. All right, buddy. Maybe he's too pissed off to watch the Jaguars just like Doug Maron. Uh, he should be too pissed off at this point. All right. Now we're going to get to yours. We are calling this Kevin's Sneaky Truth of the Week. Something that you feel like is not getting enough pub and, and is truer than people seem to think it is.
1: So what are you going with for the first time? It is impossible to overreact to how bad the situation in Detroit is. All right. Lay it on me. I'm excited for this. So the Lions. So Matt Patricia has given up 40 points in two straight games. One of those games was to one of the deepest rosters in the history of modern football, the Philadelphia Eagles. And then he plays the Jets, who give up a pick six in the first play of the game and then don't, and then just completely boss the Lions around for the next 59 minutes. It was very strange. You know, Michael David Smith from Football Talk made this point yesterday, and I keep thinking about it and I keep laughing, that... When Josh McDaniels tried to leave New England, they basically had him break all social norms and hurt his own career. Quite frankly, they put up a barricade. And his, they wouldn't let him leave. Yeah, and and they did the the Blake Griffin thing. They just you know just put the put the chair on the door and you know played card games with him for a while, so he couldn't go take the Colts job. And with DeAndre Jordan, and and so they did all that with Josh McDaniels, and then. Matt Patricia leaves, and they're like, well, good luck. See ya. See ya, Matt. That's probably a red flag. So I think you start to look at it, and there's a couple things. Number one, I think it's really funny that Dan Wetzel and a couple of other reporters had reported that the Jets essentially knew all of the plays the Lions are running because of hand signals. I just think that, and Matt Patricia came out and said it's a little overblown. Um, but I don't. I don't think so. I don't, I think. I think five interceptions speaks for itself. And then beyond that, now there's a report. Mike Garofalo from the NFL Network had a report on Tuesday. Did you see this report? No, I've not seen it. It's that the Lions players a little burned out on Matt already. He's there, he's losing. He's they're tuning him out a little bit. It's been one week. It's been one week. He said he talked to an agent in training camp of one of the lions players and that the agent told him like something, something bad is coming down the pike because this is just not there. He's really burning them out. And when you start to lose the locker room a little bit on Tuesday or Wednesday of the second week of your head coaching career, I think there's two things I want to address here. Number one, that's not good. Number two I think players are always sort of wrong about their coach. I don't think they really know what... I mean, I think if, if Bill if Bill Belichick had never won anything and he just came in and, and was a guy in a locker room, I think players would be like, what the hell is this guy doing? He's a bad communicator, all this stuff. You know I mean? It's, it's, it's hard for players to gauge that stuff. And certainly the Lions. Now that the Lions have done so much winning, they can figure out who's a good coach and who's a bad coach. And so I'm not even siding with with Patricia in that situation, or I'm I'm sorry, I'm not even siding with the players in that situation. I'm siding with no one. I'm what I'm saying is, is that this is, this has the makings of a colossal, colossal disaster of a season. If the players already hate him, if they're, if, if he's actually a bad coach, who's going to give up this many points on a, on a regular basis. I think that, you know, this has a, 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 uh, a real stink around it to the point that I'm, if I'm a lions fan, I'm, I'm, going to try to figure something else out Steve Eiserman's come back to Detroit as a GM right like in life. Yeah, that's right. No, like, like I heard he's come back to the Red Wing. Is that true? I'm just looking Is for he other not things now. Like, he's the, he's been the incredible GM of the Tampa Bay Lightning for the past eight years. Oh, I did not know that that's I knew he he's was really in, good. You know, I knew he was in management. I, I thought that he was in Detroit. No, it's like if Aaron Rodgers were like the GM of, of like the Bucks. In like twenty thirty, so and, everybody was, and everybody was like, "When's he coming back to the Packers? What's happening?" I think. I here's what I'll say about the Lions. I'm just saying, Detroit, do, look into the Red Wings. Yeah, or just Steve Eiserman could come be the GM of the, of the Lions or the head coach. Oh my god!
0: I no, thought that's not the, the head, going for. not the head
1: coach. Not the head coach. Just the no, GM. no, no, no. I think Steve Eiserman should be the GM. All right, I'm down for that. I feel like how long? How Detroit long would it would take would be behind that? How long would it take? Just make to like, n- it out? just make Nicholas Lidstrom the head coach. Like six months? Yeah, probably.
0: The same amount of time it would take uh, Jalen Ramsey to learn how to play in the NHL. Same amount of time. I
1: just, <laughs> I just read a book about the Civil War and basically Abraham Lincoln taught himself all war tactics over like a Christmas break one time. And now I realize that everything is just really easy. <laughs> That's a good take. If you're That's smart. Great, yeah. I'm saying If you're smart. If you're really smart. If you're Abraham Lincoln or Steve Iserman, you can, you can figure this step out very quickly.
0: If the Lions offense is not good, they're in trouble because they're going to give up a lot of points and they just could not move the ball. And Matthew Stafford just thrown to the other team. That's problematic, which makes me sad because their receivers are so good. They're so, so good. Like just throwing Kenny Galladay into the mix and having him be on the offense is ridiculous. I'm a little disappointed that we're going to see another ho-hum season for a team that has so much talent. All right, Kevin, before we get out of here, let's quickly go through the Thursday night game. One minute here. I just want to see these teams play against real NFL teams. That's all I'm asking for. I mean, the Bengals played against that. (laughs) The Bengals played against that terrible Colts defense last week. You're going against a legitimate NFL defense in the Ravens. Joe Mixon's not rushing for 5.6 yards against Pierce and and Williams. I'll tell you that right now. So uh, that's going to be a huge challenge. One uh, matchup I'm very excited about is watching Marlon Humphrey when he gets to go against AJ Green. I feel like Humphrey is a superstar in the making, and I feel like he's on his way. So that's one I'm going to be excited to watch tonight. But yeah, I I just feel like this is going to be a much better measuring stick for both of these teams. I'll pick the Ravens, but I feel like that line, the line is minus one right now. I feel like that it's right on.
1: So one of the things the Bills did that we don't, Give the Bills enough credit for is we haven't talked about Lamar Jackson all week. Like we we went from when is Lamar Jackson going to start? Lamar Jackson must start now. To oh Joe Flacco he's an NFL quarterback he's a starter. He's but see I'm not ready
0: out. to go there yet. That's why I no 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 I'm just saying we
1: as a a national conversation we're like wow Joe Flacco's back baby. He had to he, did you see did did you see he was peppered with questions about whether or not he worked harder. Like they had to reporters basically asked him to clarify if he worked harder because of Lamar Jackson.
0: Here's my thought about this
1: NFL season. Nothing
0: against the bills counts. I agree. Nothing counts. You shouldn't get points. in fantasy. You shouldn't get a win. They should just cancel the Bills season. And I feel like that's where I am with the Ravens right now. I need to see something against the real competitive.
1: It seems like a competitive problem. Again, the league should step in. We've already been over this. All right, bud. Oh, no way. I didn't pick. Oh, go ahead. I'm picking the I'm picking the Bengals just because they're at home and these guys are this is like the same team. So, yeah, that's fair. They're I, the I'm same. A, I'm okay. I'm not, they they have, they're they're good at different things, but they are like the Madden rating for both teams is almost certainly. And I haven't played Madden in a number of years. I guarantee they have the same exact Madden ratings. I'm right there with you. All right, guys, that's all we have for this week. We'll be back with you on sunday night
0: as always really appreciate you listening to the ringer nfl show on the ringer podcast network